medical malpractice. In America, medical malpractice is the third leading cause of death behind heart disease and cancer. In one U.S. territory, proposed legislation to change local medical malpractice laws is threatening to adversely impact the delivery of medical care in the throes of a global pandemic. This is the topic on this episode of That's It, That's All. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean DiMatato. You are in the right place at the right time, a time of your choosing. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean Gumatautau. I am your host, Sean Gumatautau. The podcast is brought to you by our friends at Get LLC, the Guam-based consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm, is a great supporter, and we thank them immensely. Need a business plan? Need advice for your next energy-efficient upgrade to your commercial facility? They can help. Find out more on their website at get-guam.com. They are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, get-guam.com. Check them out. Hello again to those listeners in Atlanta, GA. Folks in the Peach State are listening to That's It, That's All. Can't forget those just south of Hotlanta at Fort Benning. Thank you to those soldiers and soldiers all across the globe for your service to America. A warm half a day to those listeners in Trumbull, Connecticut as well. Listeners in nearby Jonia, Sajus Masi for the support as well. The format is pretty simple. That's it, that's all. Makes a good travel companion on a long road trip across America or the other 10 countries tuning in or the little stroll from one end of Paradise Guam to the other. Much appreciation to our friends at RedCircle.com in getting the podcast podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Remember that you can listen to That's It, That's All on the iHeartRadio app and Pandora. And the podcast can now be found on the KUAM Podcast Network. Great programming from the U.S. Territory to include this podcast, now featured on the most prolific of media websites and news organizations in Oceania. Remember to like, subscribe, or follow this particular podcast Click one of those buttons right now. There is no question that medical liability is front and center for physicians across the United States. Medical liability affects both how and where a doctor will practice medicine. The ramifications are wide-ranging in many states and territories. Patients are impacted. The healthcare system is impacted as well. There appears to be a growing chorus of policymakers from Washington, D.C. to Texas, to Guam from both sides of the political aisle that agree that medical malpractice policy must be addressed right now. The 174-year-old American Medical Association, representing over 190-plus state and medical societies and critical stakeholders, are standing firm in their fight for reforms nationwide. They are offering solutions. They are offering help at the federal, state, and territorial level. It is pretty clear that despite the polarizing nature of medical malpractice legislation, it is pretty clear that whole American communities want to find a way to fix this issue, protecting patients and helping complement the work of our nation's doctors. Medical malpractice claims are complex, and the applicable body of law, federally and locally, is technical and potentially complicated. Balance 
is needed. Input is needed. Responsible and modern policy should be the goal. In Guam, this issue has hit a whole new stride that many watchers, including this podcaster, believe could adversely impact the delivery of health care in the U.S. territory now and into the foreseeable future. Many policy wonks would say that there really isn't a good time to address Guam's medical malpractice law. 16 months into a pandemic that is still infecting residents, killing those infected, stressing a fragile and isolated healthcare system, and destroying an island economy from many different fronts. A medical malpractice law was first enacted locally in 1975. It saw a court challenge. Over the course of the next 15 years, various attempts across the nation and in Guam were made to ease the explosion in claims costs, tort reform, increased diagnostic testing, improved peer review, and increased communication between physicians and patients. In 1991, Guam law was amended to address the problems with the local medical liability law and has been the standard in the territory since. Most federal or state laws relative to medical malpractice are designed to prevent court actions against medical professionals in cases where the facts in a treatment plan do not permit some reasonable decision of malpractice and protect the due process of such claims, keeping fairness and impartiality front and center of each action. Back in April, local lawmakers introduced a measure to modernize the territory's medical malpractice law. To sum up what Bill 112-36 would do is add a pretrial screening component to the medical malpractice litigation process that is followed in 23 other states and ends mandatory arbitration for court filings that the authors believe would, among other things, relieve some of the legal costs borne by all residents filing the action and exempting small claims of $20,000 U.S. or less. Claims versus government of Guam healthcare agencies would remain unchanged. The bill sponsors say it is a modernization of the 30 year old law. Opinions would vary. Proponents call it long overdue. Budget analysts admit that they are not sure how much the bill would cost Guam in litigation, procedural, or judicial costs of any or all related medical practice claims with the enactment of the proposed policy. Opponents mainly doctors working in the U.S. territory, call the proposal a sure way to drive medical workers off the island and block the delivery of health care to most of the 160,000 residents here. The costs would certainly be in numbers of healthcare professionals and services that would certainly be spent off-island, resulting in a greater cost to the patient. As of this podcast, the public discourse is reaching a fever pitch, no pun intended. The bill's author and speaker of the 36th Guam Legislature, Therese Terlahi, said that over the past three months, she had received many letters in opposition to the bill, telling KUAM News back on June 30, 2021, that, quote, I'm really hoping that in the public hearing, when the public comes and the medical professionals come, they are going to be able to be more detailed, close quote. What about the standard of care today? The bill does not expect to change that at all, according to Speaker Terlahi. The standard of care is the proper approach. 
practice or procedure for a particular medical situation that is accepted by the medical community in a particular geographic location. The standard of care can change depending upon where the medical service was provided or the particular medical condition at issue. A breach of the standard of care means a failure to provide medical treatment consistent with that particular standard. If this failure causes injury, the injured individual or their family in wrongful death cases is entitled to damages under the law. The people of Guam and Americans generally support medical liability reform. Two particular polls of note to share with you all. A December 2009 Rasmussen Reports poll found that 57% of voters nationwide favored limiting the amount of money a jury can award a plaintiff in a medical liability suit. A poll done at the same time by the Associated Press and Stanford University found that 54% of Americans supported limits on medical liability lawsuits, while only one-third indicated that they were opposed. If you ask friends and family in Guam if they are watching the actions surrounding Bill 112-36 right now, you probably will get a funny look, perhaps a confused look. Ask the same folks if they feel that healthcare is threatened by the act, you may get a raised eyebrow. With the focus on getting shots in arms to prevent COVID, keeping TB at bay in all corners of our island society, and or attention on reducing incidence of obesity and diabetes, the optics on medical liability does not bubble up to get our attention. I will say it again. Medical malpractice is the third leading cause of death behind heart disease and cancer in America. Is this factoid enough to get our attention or just a distraction from one of the most critical challenges facing our island healthcare system today? This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. In a 2021 update of MLR Now by the American Medical Association, AMA research found that America's current medical liability system treats physicians and patients unfairly and that its outcomes are inaccurate. A review of closed claims in a 1993 study published by Harvard University showed that no injury had occurred in 3% of claims and that in 37% of those that involved an injury, there had been no error. The same research shows that in terms of compensation for medical errors, the system, quote, gets it wrong, close quote, about equally on both sides. 27% of claims involving errors were uncompensated, and 28% of claims did not involve an error were compensated. This past week, the Guam Medical Association held a press conference to voice their opposition to Bill 112-36. Dr. Nathaniel Berg told reporters, quote, The cost of arbitration has not been compared to the cost of taking it to the courtroom system. 3% of all cases go to court nationally because arbitration helps to stop that, and it ends up being less expensive for our community. It's worked 
is the answer. And that's a close quote. The Pacific Daily News quoted pulmonologist at the Guam Memorial Hospital and American Medical Center's Dr. Jolie Nuggan, who said the bill and the litigation it will bring against healthcare workers is unfair, given understaffing and the strain of fighting the COVID-19 pandemic, and quote, instead of looking at our processes and lack of resources and how to improve this so we can make it safer, we are fighting amongst ourselves about a bill. Close quote. My thought on the presser is this. Is this a discussion on medical malpractice or mental health issues related to the ongoing pandemic? I digress a bit as I came across this CDC study that was published on July 2nd, 2021, entitled Symptoms of Depression, Anxiety, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, and Suicidal Ideation Among State, Tribal, Local, and Territorial Public Health Workers During the COVID-19 Pandemic, United States, March through April 2021. In it, increases in mental health conditions have been documented among the general population and healthcare workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. However, data on public health workers are limited. Among 26,174 surveyed state, tribal, local, and territorial public health workers, 53% reported symptoms of at least one mental health condition in the past two weeks. Symptoms were more prevalent among those who were unable to take time off or worked more than 41 hours per week. Implementing prevention and control practices that eliminate, reduce, and manage factors that cause or contribute to public health workers' poor mental health might improve mental health outcomes during emergencies. This little diversion could be up that alley for both policymakers and healthcare leaders in the territory. I say that as the number of cases filed against physicians annually is probably low. Can't say it is rocketing toward the moon. So why the change? Well, still trying to figure all that out. A different take from local doctor, Dr. Vince Akimoto, who told talk show host Ray Gibson on his Guam radio show on The Point on July 2nd, 2021, that this bill and actions around it are not a good look for Guam as we're trying to welcome visitors back to the island from areas like Taiwan. He said, quote, It is a strange time for Guam's medical care to be on assault by Guam senators who seem to think to import physicians that are not American from third world nations because they are cheaper. This is a very dangerous time for senators to think that medical care is disposable. Aren't we still in a pandemic? Close quote. For guys like me, the number of cases would seem a logical reason to make a significant policy shift. If this was, say, one case, why the need to change now? In the heart of a pandemic, the pandemic response plan still needs a full update based on the lessons learned over the past 16 months. We need to show up our cadre of homegrown nurses who answered the call to serve in this extraordinary time in a way never seen before. Talk of medical liability comes as the island is wanting to build a new medical complex in the heart of the island population, not remotely close to where medical service had been provided for over 50 or 50 plus years near the site of the current and past Guam Memorial Hospital. Lawmakers are asking for specifics. 
On the contrary, we need them to provide specifics to what is driving the hard policy shift and not rhetoric on serving the needs of underserved populations they claim can't make such a hard medical liability claim because they have no money. Also, building new medical complexes need people to work in them. Talk of such reform to maintain a standard of care while trying to build up on the surface just doesn't work for all of Guam right now. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Maybe I am looking at Bill 112-36 all wrong. How about we talk about the items that preceded such and how we can prevent such well ahead of a court filing? It could start with what the New York Times recently reported and is novel, a good bedside manner. The Times reported that good bedside manner is far more effective at reducing the risk of medical malpractice litigation than common practices of ordering excessive tests and procedures, sometimes called defensive medicine. The article contends that patients seeing doctors who face the most malpractice lawsuits, not only the ones who actually filed those suits, felt that these doctors ignored them, rushed them, or failed to explain things adequately. Also, the news report noted that the frequently sued doctors are the subject of twice as many complaints as doctors without such a troubled history. Most often, complaints reference the doctor's poor communication. A study highlighted in another New York Times article found that doctors who had never been sued for malpractice were perceived by patients as being accessible, concerned, and willing to communicate. On the other hand, patients reported that the most frequently sued doctors failed to treat them with respect or listen to their concerns, and that these doctors made them wait a long time to be seen, but spent little time with them. The patients of frequently sued doctors reported twice as many instances of their doctors shouting at them, an action which, though not malpractice in and of itself, certainly fits the bill of being rude. When thinking of claims that may come about, or in fact do come about, that would invoke the use of the proposal in Bill 112-36. Be mindful all that the actual variety of claims is considerable, but people in Guam and the country like you and me would seek a legal remedy with professional expert analysis of all medical documents on matters like inappropriate treatment. Often healthcare facilities or clinics make patients go through certain procedures that are not effective or irrelevant for their ailment, and these treatments are expensive. Birth injuries. As a father of five children, I am fortunate that all my kids were delivered with care and all came into this world healthy. We all know that there can be a significant number of birth injuries caused due to faulty childbirth procedures or mishandling the delivery on the part of the hospital or birthing center. It can cause pregnancy issues, a stillborn child, brain death of the baby, cerebral palsy, and others. Negligence of the hospital staff. For critical care patients, aftercare becomes one of the most important facts in treatment. Nurses need to give the medication on time, 
check the oxygen level, and provide saline and others. In cases the staff is negligent in carrying out their duties properly, it might lead to the slow degradation of the patient's condition that may lead up to death. Wrong medication. Providing wrong medication or wrong doses of medication can equally turn out to be deadly and is a regular cause of death or injury and a multitude of malpractice claims. Negligence on following up. Healthcare professionals often neglect patients' complaints about certain pain or dysfunction. Tests are given, but they fail to act on the test results at an appropriate time. This might lead to paralysis, brain damage, and any other health issue. Unnecessary or faulty operations. Inefficient doctors have also been known to perform surgeries on the wrong part of the body and cause more damage than cure. Leaving outside objects inside patient bodies during surgeries. I have heard of one of these types of cases in Guam. This is one of the most outrageous cases of medical negligence. It causes more suffering to the patients, which their bodies might not be able to take at that point. However, it should also be noted that an unsatisfactory outcome from treatment is not considered as medical malpractice. If you have suffered due to medical negligence, consult a lawyer and know what options are available to you. We have only really scratched the surface of this issue, and the policy will see a public hearing a week after this podcast airs. Remember that different rules are applicable to different states for medical malpractice, and it is vital to understand this before launching a medical malpractice claim. There are a variety of steps and guidelines that are involved to successfully prosecute such a case, and failing to meet them can result in the end of any such claim. Medical malpractice cases typically are very expert-driven, even beyond the initial review. The injured party needs expert testimony to prove breach of the standard of care or other failures and to prove causation for the damages at issue. Defendants will have their own experts as well. Thus, there typically is a lengthy discovery period during which each side will seek to discover facts related to the alleged malpractice and examine the opinions of the expert or experts of the other party. All of this is very, very expensive. What does this all mean? Senators can listen to this podcast as a way to understand it. Also, listen to the doctors and patients alike in the coming days relative to this proposed legislation. Medical malpractice reform is coming. Coming for bad doctors. But what about the work of good doctors that have spent the past three decades improving the standard of care each and every day here in the U.S. territory of Guam? The standard of care can change. We need to change it to stem the rising trajectory of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, COPD, and other emerging problems with the health of our people. When and how it all comes out in the end still remains in the air. That's it. That's all. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon. The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatato. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatato. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening.